Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. Wow, thank you so much, Jim. Uh, what a joy it is to be back here with you at Life Church today. And uh, to have Loretta with me uh, just doubles the pleasure. It's really, really a blessing. Uh, we were talking with uh, Bob and Marvell Smith before the service, and one of the questions we posed to them is, how many churches through the years have you planted? Uh, not only did they pastor this church so effectively for so many years, uh, but also were instrumental in planting as many as 18 churches throughout Utah and uh, in other states as well. It's just marvelous. And uh, God bless you, Bob and Marvell. We so love you and appreciate you. Thank God for you. Amen. Amen. And those churches were planted as Bob was pastoring this church. And so this church also was a resource and a foundation for those churches to be planted. And, uh, and that's such a marvelous part about the history of this church and the ministry of this church. It's gone far beyond uh, the proximity of this location. And then the missions around the world that's been affected. Brother Bob was telling us in his first year pastoring this church, uh, there was, was it $750 that was given to missions that year? And uh, in those years, in, in the days of a small church, that was extremely significant. And Jim mentioned that last year, $425,000 was given from this church to support missionaries and missionary endeavors around the world. <laughs> Praise God for that. That's just wonderful. That's just wonderful. You know, the scriptures teach us the purpose that Jesus Christ has given to his church. He told us that we're to make disciples of people from all nations, disciples to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that process involves the church being that entity that God has raised up to honor his name, to lift up his name, to worship him. That involves the church evangelizing, carrying the gospel to its local community and around the world. And that involves building up the body of Christ. It's a place of encouragement. It's a place of discipling and growing in Christ, of fellowship and encouragement and accountability one to another in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. The church was established by Jesus Christ for some very specific reasons. And this church, through the years, and continues today to fulfill the purpose of Jesus Christ and all that he desires to be happening in and through the life of the church. And that is so very 
very wonderful. Not only has God revealed to us the purpose of the church, but he has also revealed to us the characteristics that should be a part of the life of the church, or we might call it the personality of the church. They're the purpose that he has given us defines our activities. It defines our goals and what it is we are trying to accomplish. The personality of the church describes our culture. It describes who we are. And we have a very succinct description of what these characteristics in the life of the church ought to be in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Now, that scripture has application to us individually as followers of Jesus Christ, but it also has application to the church corporately, the body of Christ as it functions in this world. Now, in the context of this scripture, it's kind of interesting. You go back to verse 1 of chapter 14 and the verses that follow, and the apostle Paul was describing a controversy that had arisen in the life of the church there in Rome. And it's an interesting controversy. It's one we encounter occasionally today, maybe not in the same way as they did back then, but there were vegetarians in the church. And they thought that everyone ought to be a vegetarian and that no Christian ought to eat meat. But then there were those Christians who believed that it was perfectly fine to eat meat. And I don't have to be just a vegetarian. And can you imagine a controversy actually arose in the life of the church over that particular matter? In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we have a similar controversy with regard to the eating of God's people. And in that particular case, the controversy revolved around whether or not they should buy and eat meat sold in the market that had been offered in sacrifice to idols. And there were Christians who believed, who had the opinion, the strong personal conviction that I ought not to eat that meat because it was offered to idols. But then there were other Christians who thought, you know what? Idols don't amount to anything. Idols are not a depiction of the true and real God. It really doesn't matter, and so I feel free to eat that meat. And there was controversy in the church over that matter as well. And here the Apostle Paul says to the church, he said, these things are not important. The kingdom of God is not about whether you're a vegetarian or you eat meat. The kingdom of God is not about whether you eat meat that is sold in the marketplace that had been burnt or cooked on the altar of an idol somewhere off in the distance or not. The kingdom of God, he said, is about these three things. It's about righteousness, it's about peace, and it's about joy in the Holy Spirit. 
And he said people who will serve God in that context, with that environment in their lives and environment in the life of the church, they are pleasing to God. And they even win favor with men. And I would suggest that this is an important feature in the life of this church, one to be embraced and nurtured and encouraged and strengthened going forward into the future, that these characteristics would be evident in life church, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Unlike any other institution in your community or in this world, the church shines brightly in this way. It begins to reflect the holiness of God. We sang about the holiness of God in our worship this morning. And we recognize as followers of Jesus Christ that he is altogether righteous. He is holy. And the Bible says God alone is holy. But then it also teaches us that those who come to faith in Jesus Christ, he shares his holiness with them. He has shared his holiness with you, each and every one of you that have repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you and I, separated from God, lost and undone in our sins, he comes to our side. He forgives us of our sins, and he shares his holiness with us, and by faith we are righteous in the sight of God through the work of Jesus Christ and the cross. And his church reflects that righteousness of God. Now, we understand that that is an imperfect reflection of the righteousness of God. In the life of the church at any given time, it is populated by people, us, who are at all different stages of development in our walk with Jesus Christ. There are people perhaps present in this room this morning, and you are welcome among God's people and in this place, but it may be that at this point in your life, you have not come to really believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We believe God and trust God and pray that that day will come for you and you are welcome among God's people in this place. Then there are those that they're now just coming to faith and they are putting their arms around the truth of God's word and they're beginning to grow in Christ and their lives are being changed. And you know, friends, whenever... Someone sincerely repents. That means they change their mind. They confess and recognize, I am a sinner. I am away from God. I need his forgiveness. And rather than following after a life of sin, I now want to follow after Jesus Christ. And they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and all that he has done on the cross for them. And they receive his forgiveness. You cannot help but be changed when you take that step because the Holy Spirit comes to live within you and he begins a work of transformation in your life and you begin to study and learn the word of God and you hear the teaching from this pulpit and the lecterns and the classrooms of this building and home studies and so forth and you begin to understand this is who Christ created me to be and you began to be reflecting the righteousness, the holiness through your behavior, through your conversation, 
through the management of your finances, in your marriage relationship, in your home and family relationships, in the manner in which you go about your job or your business, your life changes, and that's reflected through you personally. And the body of Christ reflects that righteousness of God. It may be imperfect. It is in development. It is always in development as more and more people come to faith in Christ and as people continue to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Life Church is a beacon that reflects some of this wonderful goodness, holiness, and righteousness of God and what happens in the lives of people when they receive his forgiveness and his life-giving Holy Spirit into their hearts. You know, we worry sometimes about hypocrisy, and a lot of people will point their finger at the church and say, well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites in the church. And you know what? Uh, we'd have to say, well, yes, th that's true. Uh, we are pretty much uh, hypocrites in many respects. And, and hypocrisy kind of happens at two levels. There are those who are simply pretenders, you know. They're not really following Christ, but they, they want to put on the veneer as if they are because maybe they want to sell insurance to people in the church or this reason or that, or maybe they want to find a, a spouse that uh, they think will be a wonderful wife or husband. But then there's another level of hypocrisy technically, and that is where a person's actions and behavior is not completely in compliance with what they believe and what they are striving for. And I don't worry too much anymore when I have people tell me, I'm not a Christian because there's hypocrisy in the church. Because, listen, we are all on a journey growing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we put our arms around each other as well and encourage and help each other along the way. And the Bible says, if one of you falls, then the other are to come to their side and lift them up. And we're to be like Micah the prophet who said, when I fall, yet shall I rise again. And this is the church as God lifts us out of our corrupt humanity into his life his righteousness and the beauty of his holiness and that becomes reflected through life church to the community around and God also said that another characteristic of his church is peace this is what my kingdom's all about God said it's righteousness the visitation of my righteousness in the lives of people received by faith, transformed and changed in the process. But it is also about peace. And praise God for the wonderful experience of having peace with God. And when we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. What a relief. What a blessing. The guilt is gone. The burden, the weight of our sins it's gone because Jesus carried it and the penalty of our sins away on the cross, and we have peace. But this is talking about peace in even larger measure. He brings peace 
into our relationships as well. And one of the things that God desires earnestly, you read it again and again in the Scripture, seek peace and pursue it. With everything that you have at your fingertips, pursue peace in relationships with other people. You read it again and again. And in the life of the church, God desires peace. Jesus prayed for us, and he said to the Father that they might be one, just as you and I are one. And he desires that for life church. I believe it's a characteristic of life church. When a church is not experiencing peace, God's Holy Spirit is restrained. The work of Christ is restrained. But when a church is in harmony, in unity, when a church has experienced peace with one another, the Holy Spirit is released. God can do his work in an unrestrained manner. You know, the Apostle John wrote a little letter we know as Third John, just one chapter. And he's writing to a man by the name of Gaius, and he, he compliments Gaius because he's a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then he mentions another man in the same church, and this man's name was Diotrephes. And he says, Diotrephes desires to be first and doesn't even want me, speaking of himself, John the Apostle, to come and visit the church. And furthermore, Diotrephes, he said, is spreading malicious nonsense about me, malicious gossip about a brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. And furthermore, he said, he discourages others from welcoming saints to come into the church, so much so that he actually causes members to leave the local church. Diotrephes was disturbing the peace in the church of Jesus Christ. Please, don't be a Diotrephes. Friends, Diotrephes does have one significant divine quality. He or she seems to be omnipresent. You find them in a lot of churches. And they're contrary to the very will of God for the characteristic and life of the body of Christ. And whether they're sincere Christians unwittingly used by Satan or wolves in sheep's clothing, God only knows. But they're certainly acting in contradiction to God's will for his church. He says, my kingdom is about peace and people that really come to know me and function the way I want them to function are people who are peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. And when you experience that same unity that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit experience in the Trinity, the church is released to do great things for God. Oh, friends, may the peace of God prevail in the life of this church to the glory of God and for the sake of all that God wants to do. And just one more characteristic here in this scripture, and that is and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Not your common, ordinary Sin-cursed human condition experience, transitory as it is, of happiness. 
those occasional experiences of joy when maybe we get to buy a new car or we move into a new house or we just got married or, you know, whatever those happenings are that, that enlighten the heart and the soul and they pass and they are based on temporary passing realities of our experience on this earth. But there is a joy in the Lord that only the church knows. There is a joy in the Holy Spirit that should be characteristic in the life of this body, that when you come together and someone walks in who doesn't know Jesus Christ, they're going to sense, you know what? There's peace in this place. And, and these people are good. There, there's something unusual about this rightness in their lives. And there's a sense of joy in this place. And yet, the car they drive in the parking lot may not even be as nice as mine. Their wife isn't as pretty as mine. And yet, they seem to be happier than me. They have a greater joy than me. There is a joy for the believer and for the people of God and the church of God. It is the product of our sins having been forgiven, being made right in the sight of God. It is the product. Amen. It is the product of knowing that Christ is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. It's the product of knowing, as Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world, and we're more than conquerors through him. It is the product of knowing that God works everything together for our good, for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. It is the product of knowing that you have received God's gift of eternal life and to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. It is the product of knowing that there is an eternity set before me in the mind and heart of God that has purpose and blessing. Praise God. It is the joy that is ours in the Holy Spirit. Don't let the world rob you of that joy. Don't let the immediate circumstances of your life rob you of that joy. Keep your heart and mind upon the Lord Jesus Christ and live in the strength that comes from the joy of the Lord. This last week, such a great champion of the cross, Billy Graham, passed away. And uh, that was kind of an emotional day for me. Such a wonderful, wonderful man of God, and he finished so well. Praise God. And I was reading various articles about him, and I came across a quote from Billy Graham on, in more than one of those articles, a notable quote from years ago in which he said, someday you will read or you will hear that Billy Graham is dead. But don't you believe it. I will have just changed addresses. I will be in the presence of God. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish I could remember the name of the missionary, but years ago, the story is told, true story of a missionary returning. I believe it was from Africa. And years ago, they had to take the many-week journey by ship back to the United States. And on the same ship with that missionary was the president of the United States. And when they reached the harbor on the East Coast, 
The president was ushered off of the ship first before the other passengers could depart. And they watched from the deck of that church as the band began to play and a great crowd had amassed to welcome the president home. And by the time the missionary and his wife could collect their baggage and make their way down the gangplank, there was no one there to greet them. There was no band playing. And his heart was saddened. But then the Lord spoke to him and said, you're not home yet. Friends, there is joy in the Holy Spirit that you'll not find any other place. And God says, the person who will serve me, the church that will serve me in this way with righteousness, peace, and joy is pleasing to God and will gain favor with men. And oh, dear friends, May the righteousness of Christ increase in life, church. And may the peace of God prevail in life, church. And may the joy of the Lord rise up in life, church, because this is just the beginning and there are even better days ahead for this church, for God's glory, and for the sake of people whom Christ died. God bless you. Amen. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.